Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. What a great day today. Palm Sunday, Passion Sunday, Confirmation Sunday, New Members Sunday. We're packing it all in today. And it's wonderful. What a great day to do it. But it is a jarring day because it feels like we're going in one direction and all of a sudden we go in the opposite right away. We come into our church here saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then almost with the same breath, we say, crucify him. Last year, I think I asked y'all, how did that feel to say that? To have the words in your mouths, crucify him. We don't want him. We want Barabbas. Let his blood be on our heads and on our children doesn't necessarily feel great, does it? Unless you understand that last part in saying truly this was, truly this was the Son of God, right? There's so much in this passion text. In fact, um, last year we did an even longer reading, right? We did Matthew 26 and 27 from the garden all the way to the cross. But for the sake of time and everything, this was the heart of what we needed to get to today. And so this is what we are focusing on today. And thankfully for me, that's a little bit more focused in on what I can talk about instead of talking about everything that has to do with the passion of Christ in Matthew's gospel. One thing I will say about this text, what is very striking to me, is just what the people ask for. What do the people ask for? Do they ask for the right things? No. They ask for the wrong things. They ask for everything that is contrary to God, right? That when Pilate asks them, which one of them shall I release, Jesus or Barabbas, they said Barabbas. When he says that, that he is not guilty of Christ's blood, see to it yourselves, the people say, his blood be on us and on our children. And all these things, the mockeries, the shaming, the crown, but of thorns, the purple robe, and the hailing king of the Jews, only to be struck and spit upon. All of these things which are seen as mockeries and shaming of Jesus. All those who passed by and wagged their heads and said, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the King of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and, he will, and, we, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires him, for he said, I am the Son of God. In all these ways, Christ is shamed and brought lower and lower and lower by everything that is said and done to him. And it is jarring to hear these things. When you know who Christ is, when you know what he has done, 
to see this being done to him and know that it must be done is almost even harder to bear. It doesn't make sense to fallen man as to why this is the case, just like it, wasn't, it didn't make sense to the people as to why they should trust in Jesus. This seemingly harmless man, seemingly downtrodden man, regular man, who was cast down, saying all these grand things, but not quite able to deliver on them, according to our understandings. The things that the people say, are they not like what we do today in some sense and fashion? Is it not like what we encounter throughout this entire world today? That our natural flesh, our sinful flesh, the old man that we are born with, the old Adam, loves to sin. That we ask ourselves, how is it that these people can do this? And you read Jeremiah, I believe it's 17, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? There is no depth, there is no plumbing the fullness of the depths of our sinfulness, our fallen state. We ask ourselves, how can we, with one breath, proclaim God as our King and Savior, and then with the next, full out deny Him by what we do and what we say? How often do we justify ourselves with our own sin? How often do we make excuses for ourselves with our sin? How often do we say a white lie and say, well, it's just because I didn't want him to feel bad? Or, well, you know, it's just the truth. What's wrong with the truth? How often do we justify gossip? How often do we justify things that we use as excuses, these exceptions to a rule? Saying, well, as a general rule, I'm against, you know, cohabitation before marriage. But, you know, since it's my daughter, I need to be a little easy on her, right? Well, as a general rule, I'm against homosexuality. But, you know, my son, I just don't know what to do. Or we just let it go because we don't want to upset him. Or fill in the blank. I could go on and on. How often do we, as Christians, promise to adhere to the faith with our words and with our hearts and deny it in the next moment? In the confirmation rite, which we'll hear in just a moment, we all who are here have said that we would rather die and fall away and forsake the faith that was given to us. And so in that case, I guess we die a thousand deaths with all the sin that we commit, all the times that we fall, all the times that we spit upon Christ and deny him by what we say and what we do, that no sin is too great or too small to be counted. And yet, isn't it just amazing that the sin we desire 
And the sin that we seek to justify is the very sin that placed Christ on his cross. It is the sin for which he comes to die for. It is the sin for which he sheds his blood to cover. Our sin placed him on his cross, not against his will, but in accordance with his will and with his Father's will. He went willingly for us, that in spite of all the times that we mock and shame him and scorn him, turn a blind eye to him and what he has to say for our lives, for whatever reason that may be, that we're fearful of being called a racist or a bigot or homophobe or even just a legalist, that how often are we so ashamed of our own faith that when we would want to say to somebody else, you're not living as God wants you to live, we might stop short and say, well, I don't want them to think that I'm judging them. Let's be honest. We have to make some judgments to be able to call people out for their sin, not because we want to say, look at how better I am than you are, but say, look at how great Christ is that he even forgives that. That to acknowledge your sin, to be mindful of what you have done that would place Christ on his cross is what leads you to the understanding and the beauty of that very blood of Christ being shed for you, being exactly for you and for that specific sin and for all the sins that you have committed. We live in a world that is upside down and backwards. We have people who live contrary to God's word day in and day out by what they do, by what they say, by what they don't do and what they don't say, by what's in their hearts. And yet Christ has still died for them. He has still died for you. He has given up his life so that you would not face death, but that you would live so that you can see by faith, by that great gift of the Holy Spirit, that by faith you can look upon his cross and you can say, truly, this is the Son of God. This was the Son of God who died for me, who rose from the grave, who now lives on high for me, so that in spite of my sin, I would know that I'm forgiven, so that when I do sin, and I do mean when, so that when I do sin, I can come to him and say, Lord, have mercy on me. Cleanse me with that righteous blood which you shed. And he will, according to his great promise. Jesus has forgiven all your sins on his cross and dispenses that, that, and, and dispenses that forgiveness freely for all who trust in him and what he has done. In some ways, it is best to have a cross before your eyes as often as you can have it, to remind you of what it is that he has done for you. I recommend a cross with a, a, cross with a corpus on it, kind of like what I have on here. 
to know that in spite of this gruesome picture of this man who is hanging on a cross, shamed and dying and dead, that on this is the image of my sin. And yet, amazingly, on this is, is the very picture of my salvation. That when I survey that wondrous cross and I see the Savior who laid down his life for me, I see my sin. I see the fullness of the law played out. And I see the fullness of the gospel given to me. And I pray that you would see that same thing. That to have his cross ever before your eyes is to know what he has done for you. Is to know that his blood was not shed in vain, but it was shed for you. So that you would be forgiven. So that you would be called his child. So that you would be one of those on the last day that when he comes, that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That you would do that, that you would do that, that not, not in compulsion, not by compulsion, but according to your will, which has been subdued to God's will and brought into oneness with that same will that on the last day every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. And I pray more and more that there would be more and more people who would kneel and confess day in and day out. Um, excuse me, that they, would, that they would kneel day in and day out confessing Christ as Lord, kneel week in and week out when they attend, when they attend the Lord's, when they attend the Lord's, the Lord's supper, so that they would be in the habit of that, knowing that that is preparation for that final day, and we want that for all people. We we don't want them to say these words that the people say, to shun Christ. We don't want them to say these words that are horribly ironic. His blood be on us and on our children. Hail, King of the Jews. We don't want them to say these things mocking, but in truth and in faith, so that they can also say, truly this was the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. And as we go forward from here into this Holy Week, I pray that this prayer would be on your lips continually. That as the Son of God has died for you, he would keep you firm and steadfast in that one true faith and grant you peace. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen.